You've discovered TalkZone.com, the best in Internet talk radio. If you've been in a fast food restaurant lately, at least in certain parts of the country, you may have noticed something new on the menu, calorie counts. Does adding that information make a difference in how you eat? We're joined by Dr. Brian Elbow, a professor at the New York University School of Medicine and one of the authors of a study that tried to answer that question. So, Dr. Elbow, how much of a difference does it make when calorie counts are on a fast food menu? We looked at the influence on two different groups in this paper. We looked at the influence of these calorie counts on adolescents and the choices that adolescents were making and the choices that parents were making for their children. And we just focused on one group here. We just focused on low-income communities in New York City. So it's important to keep that in mind and keep in mind that this was a pretty small study. What we found is that just over half of the adolescents that went into the restaurant saw this information, but only 9% of adolescents said that the information mattered to them and influenced their choice. And we, in fact, didn't see any change in the number of calories purchased before and after calorie labeling started in New York City for these communities. And we found pretty similar results for the choices that parents reported making for their children. So some people are clearly seeing this information, but it's not translating at this point into a change in the number of calories purchased. That's pretty disturbing, isn't it? Well, you know, obviously we would like other results from an obesity perspective, but I think it's important to keep in mind that there's a lot of things that are influencing food choice, particularly for these communities and particularly for adolescents. And there's many factors that are happening here. There's taste, and clearly unhealthy foods tend to taste a lot better. There's availability, there's price, and all of these things tend to work against labeling and nutrition. So I think it just means that we're going to need to look at other approaches to think about influence of obesity in a larger scale way. Now, it is the law in New York City, but are there other places that are mandating this information on menus or, in some cases, are companies doing it voluntarily? You're right to say that New York started this, but it really is now rolling out in many other cities and states, Philadelphia, California, Seattle, and right now it's set to be federal law. It was passed as part of the Health Reform Act, and the FDA right now is thinking about what these rules should look like as it rolls out nationally. So within the next year to year and a half, consumers across the nation should see calorie information in fast food restaurants. Any fast food store with more than 20 locations nationally should have to post this information. So it really is coming everywhere. Your study also found some pretty interesting information about how frequently these teenagers are having fast food. Yeah, we found particularly for these communities that consumers were going quite a bit, particularly adolescents. About 35% of our adolescent sample was eating fast food six or more times per week. Wow. So I think that reflects that these are pretty pervasive foods for this group and for this population. And I think it also reflects the availability of food that's in these neighborhoods. And so I think for both of those reasons, it's an important group and area to pay attention to. How much do you think comes into play that teenagers think they're basically bulletproof and are going to live forever? Most people aren't going to find it surprising that adolescents respond to this information slightly less than adults do. So I think you're absolutely right to identify this as being one of the harder to reach groups here. And I think we're going to need to look at lots of other sorts of interventions aside from just posting calorie counts on the menu board. It's one part of it, but we're definitely going to need a multitude of factors and really hit these teenagers from lots of different perspectives to alter their food choice and to hopefully influence obesity. What other steps would you like to see that you think might help? I think there's a number of things we can think about from a public policy perspective. I think we can look at things like marketing. Marketing, particularly fast food to children and other sorts of foods to children, is a pretty pervasive problem, and there's some pretty good evidence to show that it influences eating in a negative way. In many respects, it's hard to imagine that a number on a menu board is going to be able to compete with Ronald McDonald here. So I think we definitely need to pay attention to marketing. I think there's other things, too. I've mentioned a couple times access to food in areas, particularly low-income areas. Both healthy food and unhealthy food needs to be really looked 
that. And many cities and states, New York City among them, is really trying to bring supermarkets into low-income areas, and we're working on evaluating that as well. So in addition to access, I think we need to look at price. Unhealthy foods are a lot less expensive than healthy foods, and that gap has been widening over time. And so I think paying attention to price is a big factor here, as well as what's happening in schools. So I think a combination of all of these factors really needs to be done to try to influence obesity in a larger scale way without just relying on just labels. I have to say, I was kind of surprised that adults didn't really change their behavior based on the information, but what did you find surprising about this study? I think it's always surprising for people that pay a lot of attention to nutrition that other people don't pay attention to nutrition. Many people, particularly the groups we're paying attention to here, low-income communities, just have so many other factors going on in their lives at any one time that it's maybe not that surprising that nutrition doesn't rise to the top when they're dealing with issues of income and safety for their family and some of these other factors. Dr. Brian Ebel, a professor at the New York University School of Medicine and Wagner School of Public Service, thank you for joining us on InfoTrack. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this edition of InfoTrack. Anytime you want to learn more about our guests or topics, just log on to TalkZone.com. InfoTrack is produced by Syndication Networks of Chicago. Internet services provided by Pear.com. Now, on behalf of Chris Whitting, Taryn McCall, our executive producer Randy Meyer, and the entire InfoTrack team, I'm Roy Mackey. We'll catch you next time on InfoTrack.